Hello and welcome to the International Schools Podcast. My name is Dan Taylor. My name is John Micton. Join us twice a month at the International Schools Podcast as we have conversations with international school leaders, educators, and entrepreneurs working and engaging in the world of international schools and education. And finally, just to say a huge thank you to our sponsor, Acer for Education, for making this podcast happen. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to the International Schools Podcast. My name is John Micton. I'm the co-host and with Dan Taylor. Dan Taylor is off this uh, episode, but will be joining us on the next one. I'm looking forward to spending some time with Tom Adamick, who I've actually known for quite a few years. Our paths have crossed because we've either worked at the same school or we uh, new people from the same school. And uh, it's just been really interesting to watch Tom's journey going from uh, working with Apple, working with Pearson, but then working at the Western Academy of Beijing at the International uh, School of Tanganyika. And so we thought it would just be so nice to kind of hear uh, Tom's journey from kind of the corporate to the education, the back and forth, and now he's working in higher education and just learn a bit about his journey because I think so many of us, when we uh, enter professional uh, opportunities and professional contexts, we're always considering how to reinvent ourselves and how to maybe pivot from the pedagogic education world to the corporate world or outside of a school setting. And I think those are things that many educators and leaders always uh, reflect upon and maybe explore and dabble and Tom, hopefully you can share some of your own wisdom and experiences. So Tom, first of all, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join in the International Schools Podcasts. And Tom, maybe you can just, you know, kick off talking a bit about yourself and your bio in a couple minutes. Sure, yeah, yeah. Thanks, John. And I'm, I'm very happy to be here and, and it's great to see you again and, and reconnect. Um, yeah, the well, the two minute elevator speech in, in terms of my background, um, you know, the way that I often describe it is I've been at the, uh, the intersection of um, education, technology and project management for almost my entire career. Um, I've done everything from, uh, you know, being a classroom teacher, which is where I started my career as a, a sixth grade uh, classroom teacher out in California. Um, I've worked in the technology industry. I've worked for Apple um, on a couple of different occasions in the early 2000s. Um, and then I left uh, and that's when I went overseas and we'll talk about that. Um, and then um, you know, worked internationally for both the Western Academy of, of Beijing uh, in a couple of different roles. So on that theme of being able to reinvent yourself, I, I had a couple of opportunities to, to do that there. Um, and then uh, moved on to um, the International School of, of Tanganyika, and then uh, repatriated to the U.S. about seven years ago, and a lot of reinvention uh, the last seven years, I would say, um, in, as well. Um, and, and again, uh, the, the theme that I think uh, the common thread through all of those experiences, again, is that intersection of education, technology, and, and project management, um, which definitely has, has helped set me up for the current role uh, where I'm an IT project manager at the University of New Hampshire. Fantastic. And Tom, so uh, if you think of the different contexts uh, 
that you've been. So as you shared, you've been international, you've been uh, homeside as the United States, where you're originally from, and you've kind of pivoted between both of those worlds. What are some uh, learnings that you feel you've engaged with in one context that you brought over to the other and vice versa? So you were in education, you're a classroom teacher, and then maybe I think you went to work with Apple and then came back to the Western Academy. I'm just curious from the, the experiences and learnings you've had, what have you been able to bring to the corporate world or what has the corporate world experience allowed you to bring to the school experience? Because so often people say there is no crossover. And I'm just curious what you think of that. Uh, I, it's a great question. And, you know, I, I think as, as a, in my experience as a whole, I, I think teachers, educators tend to undersell themselves in terms of the skills that they have that they, they could bring to a corporate environment. I think ev every teacher out there is, um, would, would be a good project manager. And I'm sincere about that because a, a lot of the, the soft skills that um, a project manager requires to um, manage a project are very important. Teachers have those, those soft skills. So we're talking about um, you know, the, the empathy uh, that that's teachers, you know, very, uh, that's obviously a very um, solid skill that, that teachers have. And that's important managing projects is, is understanding what other people are, are, are you know, working through uh, in, in terms of their part of a project. Um, you know, I, I think the, the ability to, um, you know, uh, work collaborative, collaboratively with others is, is a skill that all teachers have that I think from, from a project manager perspective, um, definitely would, would come into play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think in, in general, yeah, I, I think that there, there's a lot of opportunity if teachers want to try something outside of education to, to not undersell, the, I think, the, the skills that they've acquired uh, in, in teaching. Um, Do you think, Tom, also it's maybe, so for example, let's just you know, create a scenario. You are a teacher, you've uh, a, a very good experience, you've had a lot of professional learning, and you decide to go into the non-education area. Do you think sometimes it's that the companies don't understand the skill set that the teacher is bringing and where there's the disconnect? Or is it also maybe partly how we sell ourselves when we're in that context, which is very different from applying at a recruitment fair to a principal or a director where you already have many common commonalities? Yeah, I, I, I think it's both. I, I think, um, you know, like I said, I, I think teachers tend to undersell themselves a little bit in terms of the skills that they could bring to um, a company. But yeah, I, I do think, and I've seen this where, um, I, you know, the, the company will kind of, well, they're just a teacher. And I, I, I don't mean that, I know it sounds awful to say, but I, I think that there is a, a bit of, uh, of that um, attitude sometimes. And I think it's incorrect. I, I, again, I, I think um, teachers bring um, a lot of valuable skills to um, the work in, in corporations. And I've, and I've seen this. Um, and I could give you know, examples of, of when I worked for Apple the, the second time, um, the, the team that, that I was on was essentially a group of former educators. And so our, our role uh, was to 
work with schools on using Apple technology in the classroom. And so, I mean, there, there definitely was that um, education as working directly with schools and, and so certainly leveraging the, the, the strengths that all of us educators had. But then there's also, you know, the corporate side and, and um, you know, uh, things of, of that nature that, that come into play, kind of the, the little, little things can come into play, you know, changing from, from school to, to corporate. I mean, it's as silly as it sounds, just getting used to the calendar. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that, is that I remember the, the uh, taking my first job with Apple, it was like, uh, I don't know, it was like February. And then when June rolled around, like, hey, you know, the, the, your, your, your natural calendar said, shouldn't we be saying goodbye to people and see you like next fall? And that obviously didn't happen. So, you know, adjusting to more like year round work uh, was, was a little bit of an adjustment. But that's an interesting adjustment. And I think uh, it's interesting. I've talked to other people that have been in education and it's really been a challenge because they're kind of, they're used to, you know, th their life, their family life, their children. They've been used to kind of those, you know, the February break, uh, fall break, spring break and long summers. And then suddenly they're given four weeks for the year or in some scenarios in North America, I think it's even less. And that is also, I think, often a big transition is where work is not funneled in, in tight spaces. In other words, you really power out for those seven, eight months, and then you get to kind of deconnect. Well, maybe in, in the uh, corporate world, it's it's not that pace. The pacing is different. Would you uh, yeah. talk yeah. to that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. D you know, definitely. Um, you know, here it is. Uh, years later being essentially on, even though I'm associated with the school, we're still very much on a, a corporate schedule. Um, yeah, I mean, when June rolls around and I'm on Facebook and I watch all the posts of, of uh, friends going off to their summer breaks, I'm admittedly jealous. Uh, it, you know, and it's, it's, it's certainly wonderful to see and I, I enjoy following the things that they do. But yeah, the, the, there's definitely those days when, you know, it's like the middle of July and I'm, I'm having to go upstairs into my office at home or come into the office here and I see pictures of people at the lake um, or wherever, uh, you know, that, that those, those days can be a little bit challenging to, to focus on work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a little thing, but it, it is an adjustment. And, and you brought up a point related to like family, right? Like if, if, you, if you have children, then, you know, they're going, you're going to be on the same schedule as your children. And there's certainly some advantages um, to that in, in terms of work. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose I'm making it sound um, like, hey, the, you know, the corporate schedule is bad. It's not. I mean, the nice thing about it is that once you accrue those vacation days, then I can use them whenever I want. So, you know, I've had some great opportunities to travel during those off peak shoulder seasons when, you know, things aren't crowded. And that's fantastic. I, I certainly love that. So you're not, you're not tied to certain periods of time for your break. You, you have that flexibility of taking them whenever. And that's yeah. an advantage for sure. You were talking about, you know, the soft skills, the empathy, the collaboration that educators bring to the table. 
uh, as a very powerful skill set in the context of a corporate or non-education setting. What are some things that you and you, you worked for Pearson and then Apple too? What are some things that you learned in that context that you brought into the pedagogic world that maybe you were like, wow, that was a skill that maybe I would have never gotten if I hadn't had that experience that you were able then to use in the education context? Um, so you're talking to um, kind of the like, opposite. You know, we were talking. What do teachers bring to the corporate world? What do your learnings from the corporate world brought into your education work? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um, well, I I definitely think strong project management skills, at least for me, um, has has been um, something that I've I've brought um, into the education space. Um, you know, I've I've brought that to both work on the IT side. And then also um, on the education side. So when I was in um, Tanzania, I had three roles. Um, it was basically like secondary school, the way we were organized at the time, um, it was secondary school, IT director slash technology integrator slash grade 10 technology teacher slash head of the IT, or yeah, the, the IT DT, DT department. Um, one of the things that I, I remember was bringing some agile project management methodologies to my grade 10 students. And so if you're not familiar with agile, it's a methodology in project management, which like the name, it implies agility. And so um, uh, being able to um, act on, on opportunities because of the way you structure the work. So um, without getting into the, the weeds of, of Agile, it, 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 it meant that, you know, if my students were involved in creating a, a, an, an IT project, they were utilizing that, that Agile approach. So with their, their, with their groups, they, you know, they would have what we call their, their daily stand up where uh, they, would, they would meet as a group. Okay, what did we do yesterday? What are we gonna do today? Is there anything blocking us? And if there's something blocking us, then how do we resolve that? And they're repeating that on a daily basis, working toward um, typically we'd set up our, our, uh, our schedule so that by the end of the week, they had a deliverable of some kind that they'd made progress on, that then they could show to me, that they could show to others, and then um, improve on what they did. So um, it was definitely a, a, a different approach, and it was because of what I'd learned on, on the the, um, the software development side in corporate, I was able to bring that into education. And anyone interested in learning more about that, if you actually just Google agile in education, you'll come across a, a wealth of resources related to bringing that approach into the classroom. And I think um, it definitely has uh, a lot of great applications for those of you who are IT, DT uh, type teachers. Excellent. Oh, that's so interesting to see that. And you hear a lot about that in the corporate non-education sphere. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think many schools have looked at the design thinking model as, as an example and the one that, you know, there's solution fluency, which is kind of a bit of a process, but I don't think has that agility tied to it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, if, from a project management perspective, and, and I'm a little bit out of the, the, the game in, in terms of the, you know, the, the IB, um, IT, uh, DT uh, uh, classroom, but, you know, uh, the, the approach has, has historically, from my observation, has been more what we call waterfall. 
in terms of project management, meaning that you're you're coming up, here's here's what my goal is, here's my endpoint, and then how do I work backwards from, from that in that, that waterfall style approach. And so, yeah, I, I think, um, at least from my experience, I, I, I definitely think there's some advantages to bringing in some more agile approaches to it. Um, and I, I definitely think the students learned quite a bit. Yeah, I can only imagine. That's fantastic. So you, when you were in the, in the non-education field and then decided to come back into education, what were some maybe things that you had to convince people? Hold on here. I, because I've been in the corporate world, guess what? I'm an added value. I can bring that. Was there also some pushback maybe because you had been out of the education game? Um, little bit. I, 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 I definitely think it was an advantage. So let, let me give you a specific example. So um, when I went to the Western Academy of Beijing in 2006, I came straight from the corporate world. So I was with Apple um, the first time. I, I was with them from 2002 to 2006. And so um, I worked specifically with um, PowerSchool, which um, now is kind of lost in, in tech uh, lore, but once upon a time, Apple owned PowerSchool, the student information system. And so um, I was brought over to the Western Academy to um, work on the implementation of PowerSchool, which um, had its definitely had its ups and downs. And we can talk about that more if you'd like. But um, I, I, I do think even though I came directly from that corporate environment, there was an advantage to be able to tell people that, hey, you know, Besides just having been with Apple, I also come from an education background. Prior to my work at Apple, I was a classroom teacher, um, just like all of you. Now, at that point, it was, you know, it was on just the American public school system. It wasn't IB. So, you know, I, I definitely uh, drank from the fire hose. And, and I remember being in many a meeting trying to wrap my head around what is this IB stuff? Because it was very different from what I had been used to in terms of the American system. And then trying to pop uh, power school, which is very much an American school system design onto this very different IB system was a challenge uh, to be sure. So I, I guess to go back to your question, it was certainly very helpful to be able to speak generally about coming from an education background. It was the IB piece that was missing, but I, I learned that pretty quickly to the point that when I did repatriate to the United States and I started going back to work in American public schools, I had to relearn that. <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of, of how uh, teachers approach things and how it was very different from what I had been accustomed to at that point, um, the, the previous eight years. Yeah, that's just so interesting how, you know, and, and that's maybe talks to something about this idea. You were talking about agile project learning, but also agility as a professional, as you navigate between different contexts, how you have to be able to adapt. And you have the anecdote of drinking from the fire hose of the IB. What are some things, you know, if you had to give some advice, so we have a teacher or a leader that's deciding to navigate out of education into the corporate world and back and forth, what are some things that have really uh, been very helpful for you as you've made that decision to move out and look for new professional opportunities and then after a while come back in? What are some of the dispositions 
that you've really relied on that you think are things to explore if our listeners here are considering some of these opportunities? I, I think that the big thing is just a, a positive can-do attitude. Um, I think a, a sense of adventure um, is, is important. Um, you know, like when, when we repatriated to the US in um, June of 2014, um, neither my wife nor I had jobs lined up. The only thing we had was I had some connections um, some people who I knew who still worked for, for uh, Pearson, who'd owned PowerSchool at the time. So it was, it was utilizing those connections um, to be able to parlay that into contract work. And so what contract work was, was uh, essentially uh, training uh, in school districts, various Pearson projects or, or products rather. So um, I did some power school training. So what that meant was they would send me to a school in Massachusetts or a school in Tennessee, and I would show up and I would train, uh, you know, uh, with power school and then get paid for doing that. Um, same thing with another product that I learned um, during that time, which was called SchoolNet, which is essentially like a testing software. Um, it allowed uh, educators to put together um, tests just to see where students were with reading, math, science, that kind of thing. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, again, a, a positive can-do attitude, a sense of adventure. I, I think um, you definitely have to be comfortable with ambiguity. Um, you know, like, like you, we discussed before, you know, a, a working for a school, you know, the year is set, a lot of the structure is set and things like that, kind of leaving that structure creates its own ambiguity, I think, and being comfortable with that is an important skill. Um, and then something else that I'd mentioned, network. So if, if, there's, if there's people that you know who can help you, definitely reach out to those people. Um, I spent, when, once we made the decision to repatriate, um, you know, my recruiting looked very different than what it would look, what it looked like internationally, right? With international, um, at least at the time that I was, I was in the game, you know, it was like musical chairs. You all stand up at, at one point and you shuffle around and hopefully you let you, you land in a chair that you like. That's um, a great analogy. I like that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, repatriating and going back to the, or going into the corporate world, it, it looks very different. So you, you, you have to create your own experience for that. So again, what that meant to me is every person who I knew who could be a possible you know, link to a job, I was talking to them, you know, I was, I would, I was spending late nights on, at the time it was Skype, um, just talking to people saying, hey, this is what I'm doing, I'm coming back, this is what I'm looking for, and they might not have something for you, but usually it leads to someone who can help you. And so, so what I'm hearing, and this is really interesting, Tom, is that your professional learning network was so important. So you had curated and built a professional learning network through your contacts at Apple, Pearson, and the school districts, and of course, at WAB and IST. And that's what you leveraged as your recruitment tool, is basically having those conversations and even though you say, for example, you reached out to me and I wouldn't have anything, but I'd be like, oh, you should talk to this person. And I think that is something that, you know, educators, our professional learning network, especially if we're in the international school context, tends to be very 
insular in the sense we know this principle a friend is working there and we use those contacts you know and that's usually how you hear about a job or you get ahead of the game because you worked with a principal or a principal knows your principal would you say that was very similar when you went back to the united states oh yeah 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 Ab absolutely yeah so um you know i was i was lucky in that i still had connections from when I worked for Apple the first time. And, um, you know, other, other folks might not have those connections, but um, I, I think, you know, if you dig deep enough, if, if you, you know, you, you, you go through the connections that you do have, oftentimes you can find someone who knows someone who knows someone who can provide that introduction and that opportunity to do something outside the education space. So I, I, I think it, it, it's absolutely, it's real currency. And so, you know, you, leveraging that into something tangible is, is an important uh, skill. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it actually led to me coming back to Apple the second time. And what, what happened was, um, like I described, I was doing contract training for Pearson with those two products I mentioned. And the, the, the person who was responsible for the contract trainers, he just wanted to, to come check out what I was doing, you know, make, just see how things were going. So he observed me when I was doing one of my trainings and we, we went out to dinner that evening and we were just chit-chatting. And it turned out that we had someone in common that um, we knew who was back at Apple. And so he made that reintroduction to me to um, this person, which then led to a conversation, which led to coming back to Apple the second time. And so- Fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's interesting. It, it, it's definitely something I, I learned over the years that I worked internationally, and, and you certainly described it, and, and something that I learned in the corporate world. You know, anytime you meet somebody, you know, what I learned is kind of imagine that in two or three years, you might be um, asking them for help with it, with it, with it, you know, a job search. Um, you know, I, I, I think back to uh, people that I've, I've met that literally that happened where I, I've, I've met them and two, three years later, I was on the other side of the, you know, the interview table, so to speak. So, you know, what I'm getting at is, you know, when you meet someone, don't dismiss them. Yeah. And I, I think that that's so important. What you're saying is that every conversation, especially in a semi-professional context, be it you go out to dinner after a workshop or you're at a conference or you meet somebody in the same industry is really I'm hearing is leverage that, be respectful, be empathetic, but also really give the time because you're basically investing. Yeah, you're, you, yeah, exactly. You're, you're investing in yourself later. You just, you, you never know when, um, you know, you might be able to leverage, uh, you know, something that the person that you've just met might be able to, 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 to bring, you know, uh, to you. And so, yeah. It did, you, did you leverage LinkedIn? Um, at, at the time, no, I, I, I didn't. Um, but I, I definitely use it a lot more now than, than I have in the past. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I post a bit more. Um, I, I go on it a bit more to see what people are doing. Um, I, I definitely have been spending more time there uh, the, the last year or so, especially. 
And why have you been focusing more on that than the other way you did it, which was more informal through Skype and your contacts? Well, I think because it's a it's a it's a real tool, and it, it, you have a lot of those things in in one place now with with LinkedIn. Whereas before, it was you know all kind of all over the place. Hey, I got to go back to this email that I had from this person, this conversation a few years ago, or you know maybe a, a, a chat on Skype or something like that. Um, so it was kind of scattered. With with this, um, I have the ability to do the same thing, but in in one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah I really like that. <laughs> Um, you so you moved in and out of the United States a few times and maybe talk to us a bit about the learning that happened with that, you know, coming back and leaving and uh, now you're back again. And in, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, uh, I left the US to, to work overseas in, in 2006 and that, that's when I left Apple to go work for Western Academy and um, I didn't know what to expect. I, it was a hard decision. I, I really struggled with it because I really liked what I was doing with Apple. I really liked being a part of Apple. It was a very exciting time to be a part of Apple because that was our, our renaissance. You know, those of you really uh, in the know with tech history you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, Apple was on the brink of, of bankruptcy. You know, several years prior, um, the iPod is is the device that really kind of brought Apple back from that brink. And so, you know, I was everybody's best friend at Christmas time <laughs> discount uh, th that I got. Um, so it was a hard decision, but I also, I do, I, I tend to have a bit of a sense of adventure. So I wanted to try something different. It was a calculated risk um, to the point that I, I negotiated rather than your traditional um, two-year contract, I, I negotiated a one-year contract. And I luckily I was able to do that. And uh, that certainly, um, you know, made it a, a little bit easier um, because again, not knowing what to expect. Um, but wow, am I glad that I did that. I, I, I loved my time there. Um, that one-year adventure uh, that I was expecting to be one year turned into six years. It, I, I have um, amazing memories of, of being in Beijing at also a very exciting time, the, the Olympics in 2008, for example, um, all the excitement around that. Um, I met my wife there, which is uh, obviously fantastic. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just such a great experience work-wise, um, you know, adventure-wise, the opportunities to travel and things like that. Um, meeting friends who are friends for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, we're, we're scattered around the globe like all expats are. Um, and, um, you know, we, we can go long periods of time without a conversation, but then just pick it right back up. And I think that's one of the really great features about, um, you know, international. Um, and in terms of going back, um, you know, I, I look back very fondly on our first year, especially back. Um, it was every, to me, it was every bit as fun as going to a new international destination. There was that, the, the reverse culture shock was, was fascinating uh, to me. Um, uh, Did you treat it, Tom, as if you were coming to a foreign country? So you decided with your wife, we're gonna repatriate to the United States, your uh, home country. And did you say, okay, I'm going to take this as if I'm going to a country I don't know. Was there a bit of that in your head? Because you talked about the reverse culture shock. Yeah, yeah. I, um, 
I definitely did. And, and for me, it was a little bit different than, than my wife because when we repatriated, so I'm from California, she's from New Hampshire, uh, we met in Beijing, China. Um, when we decided to repatriate, we um, went to New Hampshire, her home state. Um, definitely the best argument I've ever lost. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a great decision to, to relocate to New Hampshire. So that, the, the point that I'm getting at, it was definitely new to me living, living in, in New England. Um, you know, there's, there's still obviously, it's still obviously in the United States, so, you know, part of my uh, home country, but still quite a bit different than, than California. Um, and certainly, you know, new scenery to take in and, and, and things, things like that. But, but yeah, I, I definitely did view it as, um, you know, the, the next uh, adventure and, and tried to, uh, you know, have that, that same attitude and, you know, wanting to explore and take advantage of, of what's in the area, like, like I think we do when we go to a new international uh, location. Um, but yeah, you know, again, I, I look back very fondly uh, on that, especially the first year with the reverse culture shock. Um, Talk to us a bit about the reverse culture shock. What was, what was the reverse culture shock? Just maybe you have a, an anecdote. Um, let's see, you know, it, it starts to, to like the, the specific memories kind of have faded, but I, I do remember the, the feelings specifically. I mean, part of it is um, just being able to, or being able to go to like Target or the grocery store and just how much stuff there is. And, you know, <laughs> some, sometimes you just get overwhelmed. Um, like I, I remember specifically being in, uh, the, the, the one of the aisles of the grocery store, like how many things of ketchup could one possibly need, different varieties and, and things like that. It, it, it can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, you know, some little little things, like especially uh, like from China, like, you know, like in China, if there's a little bit of space in the lot, in your, your, you know, you're queued up for a coffee. If, if you, you know, there's a little bit of space between you and the, the person in front of you, then that's open space for someone to, to jump the queue, so to speak. You know, here, not so much. You can have your, you know, kind of normal distance or, or you know, American distance, I should say, not normal. Yeah. Uh, little adjustments like that. Like, wow, I, <laughs> I don't have to be right behind the person in front of me. <laughs> And it's interesting how sometimes you don't notice it till you leave the place and have a different context to refer to it. You know, I think sometimes that uh, very likely you never thought of the, the distance on an American queue was such. And all, you had to go to China to really understand it better when you came back. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, now I think all of us are kind of relearning uh, the, the, the space in the queue with social distancing and things yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's it's little things like that that I would catch myself, and it was it was actually it was such a delight to go. Wow, this is I'm in my home country, but it feels like a foreign country. That yeah, and I think that's often some of the challenges that uh, many of our colleagues that decide to come back or retire or come back to their home country and work in the context of their education system, you often hear that reverse culture shock and that it takes time, almost as much as if you go to a foreign country, but there you almost expect everything to be culture shock. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And I think when you come back to your country, you anticipate you're more familiar with it, and then suddenly you realize there are some disconnects 
uh, more than maybe you anticipated. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it, even though it's been uh, more than a few years that we've been home in the states, we we still feel very much like we're international. Um, I, you know, it's one of those things where once you experience it, um, it stick, it's it stays with you. That I think the you know the 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 mindset, the the attitude, um, you know, I, that it's, that to be honest, it's still one of the challenges. You know, sometimes we we sometimes don't feel like we we necessarily fit in and you know you can't it's 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 more challenging to have some of the conversations that are just kind of part and parcel with being uh, um, an international educator you know we, we it's just like for example you know you as an international educator you know you're talking about um, you know your work with students from everywhere and your colleagues who are who are from everywhere and then like to going back to the idea of the summer break everyone would kind of disperse and they would you know sometimes go back to their home country oftentimes travel to different locations um, going to conferences and in, in you know definitely very different amazing places it, it's just part of um, the work and part of the, the 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 lifestyle that goes with it and you know here in the states people tend to travel less right and so you know, you, you sound like that person when you're talking about, oh, the time that I went to this, um, this conference in Johannesburg or in, in Lisbon and, and things like that. It's just not the same experience that typical um, American educators have. You know, they, they, they just don't tend to travel quite as much. So you, I find that sometimes you have to be careful uh, to, to not come across again as, you know, that person. You almost have to do some self-censorship. Yeah, yeah, you do. Because, you know, you, you, I, I think, you know, it, it was just like talking about it when we were overseas. It's just what we did. And it's what other people did. So it was the conversation. But People here, were not phased that you went to Bali for a conference. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so here, you know, you don't want to come across like you're bragging. Yes, I, yeah. In, in my mind. So we, we you know, that, that's one of the things that we, we tend to kind of tone down. I, I think the, the 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 talk about some of the things that we've we've done, but you know, we we know all the great opportunities and, and experiences that we've had. So it's just fun to to you know remember them. And what's interesting is that you're saying they're still part of your dispositions and kind of your attitude. So they've really kind of almost become a part of the person that you are, even though you're now in a American-centric context. Those things haven't left. They've kind of had an impact on the way you look at the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I know this might not be popular with some Americans, but I, I definitely think of myself internationally a lot more than I do actually American. Um, I mean, I, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, great things about, um, you know, where we live in particular and in, in the country in general. But I, again, I, 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 like I said, I, I, think, I don't think it ever leaves you and, and the, the attitude and the mindset. So again, yeah, we just, we, we, we feel we are internationalists living in America. Yeah, how interesting. Now, Tom, we, we this has just been wonderful to hear those perspectives as you navigate between different cultures and different jobs. If somebody is thinking about coming back 
to the United States or their home country from abroad. Are there some things that you would want them to be mindful of, like to prepare? Now, one thing that you talked about was, you know, if you came back without a job, but you really leverage your professional learning network, you reached out to your different contacts and really were quite proactive and almost made it like a, a job. It was part of your recruitment strategy was to really leverage those contacts. Are you, and what about say, are there other things that you would say to people? Well, if you're gonna come back to your home country, be mindful of a few things. What are some things that maybe you feel would serve other people well that you experienced? The, the first thing that, that comes to mind, and it's something I've thought about quite a bit, is, is that things just have a way of working out. I, I think um, it, it doesn't mean that you don't need to have a strategy. Um, I'm not suggesting that at all, but I, I, I definitely think, you know, again, that, that positive can-do attitude, the sense of adventure, um, utilizing as many um, connections as you can in, in your network is helpful. Um, you know, definitely, you know, having a look at, you know, your, your CV and, and um, you know, the, matching that uh, to whatever job it is that you're applying to I, I, um, is, is important, I think, in any context, really. Um, but I think the, the big thing is that, that, you know, from my own experience, from, from watching the experience of others, um, that, that I've seen on Facebook lately, uh, people who've repatriated, things, things seem to have a, a way of working out. Um, you, you might end up doing something very different than, than what you're currently doing or what you thought you might do. Um, but, but again, I, 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 I just strongly believe things, things have a way of, of working out, even though you know, there, there could be some challenges. Um, I remember some periods of time when money got pretty tight. <laughs> um, but um, you know, you, again, they, they, they seem to work out. It's kind of having that positive attitude and, and positive intent as you engage with these changes and knowing that you know, putting time and thought really pays off. Yeah, 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 I think so, I think so. Yeah. Tom, this has been really uh, such a wonderful opportunity to catch up with you and also hear about your adventure. You now are working in a university context and doing IT project management. Uh, what are you taking from all these experiences? What are, you know, you have a bag of tricks that you obviously are tap, tapping into. Maybe describe a couple things that surprise you that you went in there and you're like, oh, never thought of using that, but I'm going to. Um, I'm putting you on the spot here, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Um, you know, I'm still getting um, my legs underneath me here with this particular role. I think this is the beginning of my fifth or, or sixth week. Um, I, I think, um, I guess, I, again, I'll, I'll take it back to, to, to networking. Um, I guess that'll be maybe the, the theme of this uh, particular conversation. I was just prior to this call, I was having a conversation with um, my manager and one of my, my goals for um, the, the year is we're calling it uh, know people. And it, it, the concept is around just getting to, to know people around the university who um, could help me do my work. Um, you ah. know, so, so, you know, for example, um, communication 
for a project manager is very important. We wanna make sure that uh, the people out there who a project affects, they have the right information at the right time. We don't want anybody to be surprised. So who are the people out there that can help me make sure that if there's an IT project that is going to impact various groups, you know, say um, a server upgrade or, or something of that, of that kind that might result in some downtime, making sure no one's surprised. So who are the people who can, I can leverage to help me get the, the word out that, hey, this is what's going to happen. So we're not having anyone be surprised with certain services not working at certain times. So, um, you know, I, I, I get in, in, in my work, whether it's, it's international, whether it's been inter, international um, education or, or corporate work, the, the theme that I've, the word that I've gravitated on and the theme that goes with that is intrapreneurial. And so what that means is that you're, you're acting as an entrepreneur within the context of the organization. And so, uh, you know, a good entrepreneur is out there networking with people. And, you know, again, the, the success, uh, I, the way that I see the success of this job is to network with people within the universe, university system so I can leverage their um, assistance and support during certain times of a project? I guess it was a long answer to the short question. No, no, but that's, that's so it's the idea of the entrepreneurial where you're actually networking and doing your LinkedIn, but within the context of the work environment that you have and having those conversations or walking over to somebody in an office and saying, hey, let me tell you, know, I'm new, I wanna hear about what you're doing or I, I can't agree with you more is that so often, and you haven't been an IT director, you know that is, that most things only happen on the capacity that you've developed relationships to be able to leverage that relationship. Not that you want everything only on relationships, you want it on systems too, but those relationships are really important to allow you to explain or uh, really garner support for your idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, re relationship building is an important soft skill, I think, for, for project managers um, of, of any variety. And then I, again, I, I think, um, you know, cultivating relationships is an important aspect of international education. And then again, um, repatriating. So, you know, I know I've talked about that a lot and I must sound like I'm the most extroverted person out there. I'm not, I'm definitely I'm one of the more introverted people, but I understand that it's important to be able to, um, you know, network with people, uh, have, have those conversations like you described and, and build those relationships. And that's what teachers do so well with their students every day, the idea of empathy and, and really, you know, being adaptable to the different needs and differentiated learning and all these things, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, are so important that you can bring into this context of now being uh, managing IT projects at a big university. University of New Hampshire has many campuses. It's a large institution, and it's just so rich to hear that, yes, those classroom you know, skills or soft skills that you've developed are actually today being used. They're kind of the thing that you're pulling out of your bag of tricks, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much for your time and sharing uh, your experience and wisdom. And uh, I think, you know, one thing that I'm walking away is just understanding the importance of networking and leveraging those conversations and never, 
taking for granted any conversation or any off the cuff, maybe drink or maybe even a meal with somebody that uh, you're working with or that you have a connection with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, just to, to reiterate that point. Yeah, you, you know, I, I a specific example, I remember being across the interview table from someone who said, hey, I met you two years ago. And I had no recollection of that meeting. And I kind of had to fake my way through that. I ended up getting the job. But yeah, to the point, you know, never, you know, I'll, I'll pay attention to when you meet someone, because you never know what might result later on. Absolutely. And on those wonderful words, thank you, Tom, for joining us at the International School Podcast. Just to remember the show notes, Tom has been really generous and shared uh, his bio and also his LinkedIn uh, and also a photography site that he's involved with. So make sure that you uh, check the show notes and you can find Tom on LinkedIn, of course. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next conversation.